<laughs> I'm going to get all crazy up in here. Man. Thanks, Jimbo. You know, that's one of my favorites, right? <laughs> oh, man. Till I am a soul on fire, man. <sighs> I got to catch my breath here, man. I really do. Getting a little crazy. I want to read something to you before we get into our study. <clears throat> Paul, as he's writing to the Thessalonians, he says this. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother <clears throat> cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become so dear to us. Dang, I'm a little baby right now. Chavala, yes. <clears throat> a white person tell me I'm a chavala. <laughs> but there's no shame in that. Um, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I love the fact that Paul, he kind of gives us the sense of what a mom is all about. And what a beautiful picture. The gentleness of a mother. <clears throat> Nursing her children, cherishing her children, because that's what moms do. I know I mess with you ladies a lot. I sound like a male chauvinist pig sometimes, and I am at times. And you guys know it, but please understand, man, I just love messing around with you. I love you. I love you so much. Many of you guys, um, I know your lives and the heartache that you go through as moms, as grandmas, and all the pain that you suffer, and then you continue to give. And if you're anywhere close to, like, my mom or my wife, and I know you are because you just pour out and continue to pour out, and we're just so blessed, you know. Every one of us has a mom. Whether they were good or not good, there are moms regardless of the fact. And so I am grateful that we set aside a time to say, hey, happy Mother's Day, man. You guys deserve it. Um, we're not doing a Mother's Day message. I would be crying the whole time. So that's it. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, moms, and new dads, man, that have been moms as well. For you guys who have lost their moms, it's a hard time. And that's why we move on. And so with that, turn, if you will, to your Bibles, in your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> As we continue through the first of the four Gospels, and as we continue in our study of King Jesus. We're going to read verses 18 through the end of the chapter. I decided this morning, I'm not going to finish this chapter, even though I had every intention to do that. We're not going to do it. But I'm going to read the rest of it, okay? So verse 18 and when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you 
wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you so, or why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, And the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who is this, or who can this be, that even the winds and the the sea obey him? When he had come to the other side, to the country of Gegersites, of the Gegersites, Um, There met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of, of many swine feeding, and so the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine, and suddenly the large herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. And those who kept them fed or fled, (laughs) kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. And so, Lord, even as we bless our moms today, Lord God, we're grateful for all of them. I pray your blessing upon all of them, Lord. And we're grateful in so many ways, Lord. But more than that, Lord, we're so grateful for your word that feeds us, that teaches us, that shows us, Lord God, all these things, Lord God, in your word, so that we might, Lord God, walk in your ways as we follow you, Lord. Thank you for this morning. Help me, even in this message, Lord, to use wisdom as to how far to go. In this message, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In my notes, I said that we were going to cover three different scenarios as we did last week. But as I was studying again this morning and going over, I'm going, ah, there's so much here. And actually what I tried to do is get three different studies and put them together because I could have gone 
for each little scenario, I could have done each study, and I don't know how far I'm going to go. You're my test. Second service, I will be more sure. And so I don't know how far we're going to get, but I do know that we're at least going to cover verse 18 to 22. Maybe the next scenario, but we'll see. And so as we begin, go back to verse 18 to 22, that little portion of, and and we see this scenario here when it says, and when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, You see, Jesus has already been on the scene for quite a while now. He's already come into the ministry. He's already had people following him. We've learned from from chapters 4 on that that he he has already been healing. He's already been touching. And I told you that, that Matthew doesn't go in chronological order. And so he's already been doing a lot of things. And, and when we saw in chapters 5 to, to 8, or chapters 5 to 7 at the Sermon on the Mount, again, there was already a, a, a multitude that came to him. And they were following after him. And then as we saw last week, as he comes down from the mountain, other people are joining him. And all these things are happening around Jesus. And so when it says, and when Jesus saw great multitudes, I mean, people were coming out because his fame has gone out throughout all that region of the city, of the, uh, in, in Galilee. And every time it seemed like he was out and about, there were people coming to him. He could not be alone. That's why in the evening, sometimes he just like told those guys, hey guys, let's just jam up to the mountain. Everybody's going to go to sleep. We're going to continue in seeking the Lord and serving the Lord. And so those were the times that he was alone. But even into the evenings, we've seen already as, as he was at, at Peter's mother-in-law's house. And even after he touches her and heals her and, and all this stuff, you know, healing and, and demon possessed, he kept on touching people well into the evening. And so his fame was out and about. And, and now the fact is that they are about him, it says here. They, they are about him, which means that they were surrounding him from all sides. As in touching him, as in pressing up against him. You know when you're in those big old crowds and people are just trying to get into, you know, to, to Black Friday stores and stuff? It's like they're thronging him. They're, they're all about him. They're pressing into him. They all want a piece of him, basically. People are touching him and getting healed. The, the hem of his garment, stuff like that is happening. And so people have heard about those things happening, so there's, they're about him. They're thronging him. (laughs) Oh, that our hearts would be like that today. Oh, not piling up on top of him, but that our hearts would be so inclined to be that close to him, that we would be that desperate to, to be able to touch him, to press into him, spiritually speaking, of course. That we would just desire that when, when, when we're awake, we just want to be thronging Him. We all want to be close to Him. These people were so desperate. They were getting touched physically and spiritually. They were being touched. And I know that we can't have Him and that to where we could go touch Him and press into Him and, and follow Him like that. But spiritually speaking, that's what we get to do each and every day. 
and that our hearts would be so inclined to be doing what, what I picture these people are doing. Jesus is out. I want to be right next to him. I want to be right on top of him. I want to press into him. When my eyes are open, even when they're asleep, <laughs> closed, I, I, want to, I want to think about Jesus. And, and, and so as these people are coming around him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Now it's interesting because you would think that with his popularity, with his following that he now has, and it's getting bigger and bigger, you would think that he would just set up shop right there and never go anywhere. Why would he have to go anywhere? People are coming to him and his fame has gone out. But he gives this command to go. Oh, it's not like he's not going to touch the people that are there in Capernaum. Again, that is his headquarters. That's probably where he is at right now. He's somewhere in that little region, area, and he's going to touch those people. Don't get me wrong. But there's so much more work to do in other areas. And he has an appointment that he has to be at the next morning. Oh, we probably won't get to that appointment today. I'm sorry to tell you that. But he has an appointment that he needs to be at. He needs to be at tomorrow or in the morning. And so this command is to depart to the other side, which means that they have to go to the other side of Galilee, of the Sea of Galilee. And that's an important point to make here that, that I underlined, that I, that I want to expound on just a little bit because it does have to do with the next scenarios. Plays a huge role in that. But he gives this command to go. We've got to go. We've got to leave. And then in verse 19 and 20, Verses 19 and 20 says, And a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, Foxes have holes and and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. If you remember, as we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentioned scribes. And they were with the scribes and the Pharisees. Again, going back to chapter 5, verse 20, where he says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you have no place in the kingdom, basically. These scribes were part of the religious leaders. They, they, They weren't Pharisees. They were different from the Pharisees who were like the priests of the day, basically. The scribes, for the most part, they were the ones that interpreted Scripture, and they were often referred to as lawyers in some portions or in some translations because they were experts at the Mosaic Law. They understood the Mosaic Law. Again, this guy should have known way more than he's putting, than he lets on as a scribe. They should have known that Jesus was coming because they were experts in the Scriptures. And usually when we come across scribes, 
usually they're coming against Jesus and not really for him. But this one, this one is in that region for some reason. Maybe he's part of the synagogue up there. But he comes and he says, teacher, I will follow you. And that word teacher literally means master or instructor. Which is interesting because the word was only used or mostly used for the rabbis. That they would be called teachers or masters or instructors in that sense. And this scribe knows that Jesus is not a rabbi. Oh, he has authority because he is authority. And we learned at the end of chapter 7 of Matthew that the people marveled at the way he taught as one who, who had authority and not like the scribes he said, it says. And these guys, they're catching some of this as it's happening. Because they all knew who was a rabbi and who was not a rabbi. They all knew that. But he says something to him. He he not only calls him rabbi, but he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And again, usually rabbis had followings. Sometimes a rabbi would say, you follow me, as Jesus did to to his disciples. You follow me. Very rarely did somebody say, hey, I want to be a follower of you. What's your Instagram? I want to follow you. You wouldn't do that. I want to like you or whatever the thing, the terminology is, you know. Hashtag follow Jesus. Teacher follow. No, it it, it was nothing like that. Usually, the rabbi was the one that said, hey, you follow me. I'm picking you. Which was a huge honor. But for this guy to say, hey, teacher, hey, rabbi, I want to follow you. That's a a bold statement, but he just doesn't say, hey, I want to follow you. He says, I want to follow you wherever you go. Now, (laughs) I don't think this guy knows exactly what he is saying and who he's saying it to. It's quite possible that that he is just caught up in all the emotion that's coming from this movement of Jesus and all these followers. He's going, dude, that's a hip place. That's a happening place. Everybody's following that cat. I want to follow that cat. You know, it's like, is that where this guy is? Because he really does not know who Jesus is. I don't think he does. Because usually scribes and Pharisees, they were very particular about who was on the scene and what they were claiming. And Jesus has already been claiming authority. And here he's showing authority. But I don't think he understands or realizes all that is entailed in following Jesus. Because you see, anybody could say, I will follow you. And I truly believe that there are many, many people who, who really, truly want to follow Jesus. Even those people that fight against you when, when they find out you're a follower. I, I, I think people genuinely deep down inside, because they hurt, 
because there's pain, because there's, un, you know, not knowing the future, people are going, yeah, I don't care how much they fight against your Christianity or against Jesus. I truly believe that people deep down inside have this yearning, have this longing, this desire to follow Jesus. But I think all too often, even though they would never say it and we would never say it like this, all too often it sounds more like this, I will follow you, Jesus, on my terms. I, I will follow you, Jesus, when I want to follow you. I, I, I will follow you wherever you go if it's convenient for me. See, that's usually the, 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 the condition that we usually say, Lord, I, I want all of you on Sunday mornings only. Right? Maybe, if you're lucky, Jesus, I'll come on a Thursday night. Or go to a men's thing or a woman's thing. Because, Jesus, I just want to follow you when it's truly convenient for me. That's the way... It usually sounds. I mean, again, man, I, I know you guys, you guys would never say that. Never say that. But you do it. <laughs> you do it. I do it. We all do it. You know, because I'm not here just to go, you, I didn't see you last week. Or for a month already. Jeez, where you been? You're not following Jesus. See, I don't know that. You're still following Jesus. But you see, oftentimes we want to dictate the way we follow Jesus. And this guy here, he is telling him, I will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> really? I will follow you wherever you go. But the fact of the matter is that the Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, as it says in Matthew 26, 24. You see, what it speaks about there is that he is going to the cross. And when this guy says, I will follow you wherever you go, I think the response that Jesus has and why he has it like that is because he's going, you don't even know what you're asking. I will follow you wherever you go, in Jesus' mind, going, I'm going to death. I'm going to the cross. Are you willing to follow me there? Is that how far you will follow? Because again, we say, Lord, I just want all of you. And he's going, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> you can't handle all of me. It's like, I know, but I want it all, Lord. And I will follow you wherever you want me to go. And then he says, I want you to go here. You're going, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not my jurisdiction. That's above my pay grade to go there, Jesus. I can't go there. I'm not even qualified to go there. But I'll follow you wherever it's convenient for me. I will follow you wherever you want me to go. And he's going, will you go to the death for me? To the death. And you're going, Dad, let's not get so crazy, Jesus. Why would you let me, tell me to go that far? Maybe, maybe I might get made fun of you, uh, made, made fun of for you, but I don't know if I, wanted, if I want to lose anybody for you. I don't know if I want to be that serious 
about you. But I will follow you wherever you go. The scribe says. And was this scribe truly willing to go to the cross and die for Jesus? Because that's what he was saying. And I think the reason Jesus comes around and he says, let me tell you about who I am, kind of, sort of, in a roundabout way right now. The foxes, they have holes to go to. And the birds, well, the birds of the air, they have nests that they can go to. But the Son of Man, He has nowhere. He has nowhere to lay His head. Are you willing? Are you willing to get out of that comfort zone that you might have to follow after me? Because I, I, I don't have time to settle anywhere. I, I don't have time to put down roots in this earth because I only came to die. That's what I came for. Now, I, I don't think Jesus is complaining about being homeless here. He has a hometown in Nazareth. He, he has family that's there. Oh, he will be there or he's already been there and they've already rejected him there. Why? Because he's going to the cross. That was his hometown. I'm sure his mom would say, Mijo, whenever you're in town, come and stay with us. Right? Of course she would. So it's not like he couldn't go somewhere and lay his head down. But he was on a mission to the cross. And he, it, nothing was going to divert him from that. And so he's saying, I don't have a place to get comfortable in. And that's what he is telling him here. I don't have a place really to lay my head because I prefer it that way. And what he's telling him is, if you want to follow me, are you willing to count the cost? Everything. Even your life. Are you willing to do that? See, this is a hard message for us because we get so comfortable. Because again, we go back to the mindset, of course I want to follow you, Jesus, on my terms. When I get to have all these things with me. And yet, a few weeks ago, we covered the fact that when Jesus says, hey, hey, come through that narrow gate... For, for, be, be, because you, you have to go through this straight here. And, and, and the only thing that fits is you, naked, nothing, without any baggage. You've got to leave it behind. Then you can follow me. That's what he is saying here. You don't have time to even bring a pillow with you. Because you're not of this place. You're not of this world. You don't have to have a home here. Again, that, 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 cuts, that cuts to the heart with us, you know? Because we like our stuff. I like it just like you like it. I like this pulpit. I don't want another one. I don't like this one. You know what I'm saying? It's like we're comfortable with stuff like that. And he says, if you want to follow me, you have to follow me without nothing. There's a cost that you have to pay to follow Jesus. And that's what he's telling this man because this man's going, I'll follow you wherever. He's going, are you willing to give me everything, even your life, everything you have? That's hard. That's truly hard. It's like, dang, Jesus. 
But what he's saying is, you have to lay down your rights to follow me. You have to lay down your terms to follow me. And in essence, you have to lay down your life if you truly want to follow me. If you truly want to follow me, wherever I go, are you willing to go to the cross? Are you willing to die for me? I'm willing to be made fun of at least. I'm willing to not be invited to the family functions anymore. Because I can't stand my family anyways. That's a good thing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's like... I, I think Paul, Paul totally got this, man. He totally got this when he started following Jesus because he was, he was a high mucky muck kind of guy. If, if, if you read Philippians chapter 2, chapter 3, where, where he says, man, I, I was all these things. I had all this going on. And then he gets to verse 7 of chapter 3 of Philippians, and he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He had it. He nailed it, right? He was willing to follow Jesus no matter the cost for him. No matter the cost. I I, I don't know if this scribe was willing to do that that much. <laughs> I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, here's, here's a little bit about me. I have nothing. Because I prefer it to, to be that way. Because I only came to die. I only came to do the will of the Father, not my own will. I don't have my terms. I don't have any terms. I don't have any rights, Jesus is saying. I don't have any of that. I, I do his bidding and his bidding alone. And so when this guy, and, and, and perhaps he knew this guy's heart. Maybe if the guy goes, you got it. You got it. I will follow you wherever you go. And he knew his heart that it was so sincere that he's going, you're willing to lay down everything? All your reputation? Because they had a great reputation. All, all, all your goodies? All your, you got it. Everything, Lord. Huh. Okay, then follow me. Because it's almost like he tells them, I don't want you following me right now. Because I know that you have all this baggage and you really don't want to let go of it. It's like, man, Jesus, don't be so mean. The guy wants to follow you. Your fame is all over the place. Oh, now you're being selective? What the heck? No, he's not being selective. He just knows this guy's heart. And he truly knows his heart. 
And he's saying, I have nothing to offer you except eternal life, but nothing here on earth. Nothing. And so the reason, again, he had nowhere to lay his head is because he was just passing through. And this world was not his home. And he had no time to be comfortable here on earth. I I could guarantee you, Jesus always had a place to stay. Even though he says it like this. Especially being anywhere around Capernaum. You think Peter's mother-in-law is going to let him sleep outside? No. Come on, Neil. You've got a bed right here always. You have a place right here in my heart always. You always have a place to, to lay your head. But see what he's telling him here. It's like, even though I have all these places to go, I really don't have nothing at all. It's interesting because Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man here. And he refers to himself as the Son of Man, or he's referred to as the Son of Man some 80 times. It is his name as the representative man to God. Whereas when you hear the Son of David, it's distinctly his Jewish name in that sense and who he represents. And the Son of God, oh, that's talking about his divine name. He is the Son of God. That's who he is. But he refers to himself here as the Son of Man. The one who humbled himself to become a man and have nothing, basically. In verse 22, we're not even going to get to verse 23, just to let you guys know that. <laughs> I, I, I had every intention to do that at least, but that's not, we're not even close. <laughs> I'm going to scare second service and say, no, we're covering it all. <laughs> but we're not. It says that another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus says, said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. (laughs) This second man that comes to him in this scenario, again, he has this heart to follow Jesus. And basically he's saying, I want to follow you or I will follow you. But his request here is that he be permitted to return home and bury his father. Now again, you read that outright and you're going, gosh, Jesus, why are you being so mean? His, his dad is dying. He's like, well, let me let, let you know something. His dad was not dying. He wasn't even at the point of dying. But he is saying, hey, can I follow you on my terms? Can I do it my way? And when it's convenient, I will follow you. But right now, you see my dad, he has this inheritance and he has this estate. And I want to inherit that first. And I want to do all these things. And then when all these things are in place, Jesus, you got all my heart, man. You got all of me. Permit me to go and do this. And Jesus is not being disrespectful to him here. This guy just wants to serve Jesus on his terms. To to, to him, following Jesus, I can put him down and I can pick him up whenever I want to. It's that kind of following. Jesus, I want to follow you, but I need to go take care of business first. 
And Jesus is saying, if I am not your everything, I don't, I don't need you. If you want to go bury your dad, go bury your dad. Go do it. But he tells them first before he says that, no, you follow me. This man was caught up in putting material concerns ahead of Jesus. Earthly concerns in front of Jesus. Even family concerns in front of Jesus. Jesus is not against family, people. He's not. He's not not against earthly things, per se, or devastating things, like putting people... You know, to, you know, in the grave. He's, he's, not, he's not against none of those things. But everything, everything is nothing in comparison to who Jesus is. You see, I often hear people say, well, God is my first priority. It's like, no, God is not a priority. He is not a priority. He is our everything. Now, I understand when we say he is my first priority. And it's almost like Jesus is telling him, hey, get, get, get your priorities straight first. Put me above everything else. I understand what he's saying here because it sounds like that. But Jesus is not a priority. You don't give him your time and then you move on to your next thing and your next thing and you leave him over there. No, Jesus follows you in every one of your priorities. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so I understand when people go, oh, Jesus is my biggest priority. And sometimes I think it's like, is it really? Or do you just compartmentalize your walk with Jesus? The fact of the matter is, Jesus is concerned about all those things. But they're nothing in comparison to following him. And so he tells this guy before anything, you follow me. And he's not being disrespectful. Jesus said, let the physically dead take care of those who are spiritually dead. No, let the spiritually dead, or the spiritually dead could (laughs) take care of those. It's like, that doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense when I wrote it. Um, But I, 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 I missed the word could. The physically dead could be taken care of by the spiritually dead. In in other words, let me move on. I'm jacking that one up. In other words, let those who are uninterested in following me and following my work, who are dead in sin anyway, go take care of the dead. But you, follow me. You, whose duty, responsibility, and obligation, because you are now dead to sin, you are to follow me. Don't worry about the rest. Again, Jesus is not cold-hearted, guys. He really isn't. He doesn't expect much. Just everything. We, we are to present ourselves as living sacrifices to Him that we may be holy and acceptable in His sight. We are to give Him our all. He is our all, in all. He's not a priority. 
And when we say, I want to follow Jesus, I could guarantee you he will challenge you on that. He will test you on that. Because again, even our own hearts are deceitfully wicked. And I put myself in the same category, guys, because I have to check my heart when I say I love Jesus or, or, or that I serve Jesus or that I follow Jesus. Because again, my motives can be just as off as anybody else. And he challenges me on that. Really, Zeke? Will you follow me if? And those are hard, hard questions when he asks that of you. Will you follow me if? Or when? Will you still follow me when all is gone? When everything is taken away? And that's hard for us. It's hard for me. It's hard for everybody. But he often brings us to that point. And I could guarantee you again, if the scribe would have said, yes, absolutely. He would have said, keep your position. Keep your stuff. I, I, I could almost guarantee you if this guy, the second guy, if he says, hey, Jesus, man, you have my everything. My dad's dying, and he's literally dying. He said, go take care of your family. I know your heart is to follow me because when you go over there, you're still going to be following me. You see, oftentimes we have mentalities, I will follow Jesus when I'm, <laughs> again, when it's in my terms. When I'm at work, I can't follow Jesus. There are a bunch of perverts there. I have to get into the game, Right? Or, or, or when I'm over here and I have to lie about this, then, then, you know, Jesus, I have to lie. Or I have to do this, I have to do that. He's going, no, 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 no. Follow me in whatever situation you're in and everything. <laughs> it's so funny, man, because I have all these notes for the rest of the study and it's like, yeah, let's not even go there. Guys, I want to encourage you. The, the, the title of the message here to this morning was, I will follow you. And, and, and again, man, if you're here, for the most part, you've said those things. You've said that. I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. No matter what happens, I'm all in. And then when he challenges us, we have to like stand up straight and go, geez, I didn't think it would be that serious. No, Jesus is very serious. He is always serious. Guys, and when we fail, <laughs> when we fail at following Jesus the way we've vowed, come right back to him. Say, Lord, I've totally blown it. My attitude, my heart was totally wrong in that. And I walked as if I wasn't following you. He knows your heart, guys. He truly does. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for giving me wisdom even this morning as I was studying again to not go any further than right now as you showed me this in the beginning. I'm, I'm grateful for that, Lord. Lord, I, the, the, the rest of it was amazing, but it will be for another day. But the day, Lord, you just wanted us to camp out right here to challenge my brothers and sisters because we all need to be challenged this way, Lord. And I'm so, so grateful, Lord God, that you know our hearts. You know how weak we are. You know how timid we are. You know how deceitful we can be. But Lord, you know our heart. Lord, remind us of where you have us right now. 
with the good, the bad, and the ugly that's going on in our lives right now. Lord, we want to follow you. Challenge us, Lord. Check us. Test us in that, Lord. Get us through, Lord. Get us through that. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I know way too many of their situations and they're battling right now. And so Jesus, please, challenge them. Bring them to yourself, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much for who you are, Lord. I pray for those who might be here this morning who came with their mom or something to bless them. And maybe... They've often thought that they were following you because their mom followed you. Challenge them. Are they willing to give it all? And if that's you this morning, I don't know who you are. And you said, oh, I follow you on my terms. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've said that or thought that or you've done that. I just want to pray for you right now. Is there anyone Say, hey, I need to follow Jesus here. Pray for me, Pastor. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Guys, I know we've all we've all failed in this. And so I want to pray for those who did raise their hand. But once again, I want to pray for all you, for all of us. Father, please, Lord, help us. I pray, God, for those who raise their hand and realize, Lord God. And sometimes their hearts were not right. And so I pray that you would encourage them, Lord, that they would lay down everything to follow you, that they would leave everything behind to follow you, Lord, that you would just encourage my brothers and sisters and what you're challenging them with, that they would follow you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.